All right, welcome to Real Stories MKE, brought to you as part of Exfabulous work to connect Milwaukee through real stories. I am Kim Shine, and I'm Joel Dreesing. Well, we're Exfabula back. believes that everyone has a personal story worth sharing, and we coach storytelling workshops where community members can build their storytelling skills and build their confidence. And we also host story slams where true stories are shared on stage. Today, we're bringing you three of those powerful stories. That is so true, Joel, and we are so excited to be back for Ooh. season three. Season three, here we go. Yeah, I mean, I missed you. Like, oh, yeah, I missed you. <laughs> I missed our listeners. What about you? I yeah, I miss this place. I miss you know sitting in front of these fuzzy microphones <laughs> <laughs> and all the giggles and yes, stuff. Yes, it's, it's been a nice yes, time. It's fun. Each story slam, if you guys don't remember from the other seasons, each story slam has a specific theme, and participants are encouraged to share stories that relate to that theme. We also pick ones for each episode of the show that ties all of the stories together that we have selected. Now, our stories today, they all have the underlying theme of luck. So that's good luck, bad luck, bad luck that turns into good luck, or the other way around. You know, I see luck as just sort of this constant wild card. Um, it's, it's this element of risk that's involved in everything. I'm a former Boy Scout, and so I'm... I'm a former Girl Scout. Are you? Oh, yes. well, the Boy Scouts had the, the, the motto, be prepared. Okay. So I, I am somebody who prepares for things, but luck is one of those things that you just can't prepare for. It just sort <laughs> of happens, good or bad, and you have to roll with it. You just yeah. sort of have to play the cards that you're dealt. I agree with that. And honestly, I don't think I'd call myself lucky. I mean, maybe other people would, but I would probably say I'm a child of fortune, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Because um, I, I think that my overall, because you, you call me serious, and so I'm going to get serious for a, a moment here. <laughs> I do think that like my decisions are being guided, you know, uh, by, by something. So I don't completely just crash and burn right. in life. Um because regardless of the situations that I've been in, I've always been able to take care of myself and just be okay. So if you want to call that luck or grace or whatever, that's that's where yeah, I'm going yeah. with it. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kim, luck is such an interesting concept because some people think of it more like karma or fate or blessings or curses. Yeah. And some people believe you can make your own luck. And that's something that our first storyteller tried. Well, speaking of our first storyteller, our first one comes from Teresa Williams. Uh, she shared this story in 2018 at the Beginner's Luck Story Slam. Here's Teresa. Hi, everyone. I am tall Teresa. Um, okay, this story is gonna be quick. We'll see about that. Okay, so it has nothing to do with beginning, but it's definitely a lucky story. So I'm a South Side chick from Chicago. Woo! So what do I have in common with Jennifer Lopez? You may ask. Well, we both have something in common. A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, right? So I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm at work one day, 
and I'm talking to one of my coworkers about getting married, right? So I'm like, I gotta find me a husband first, but he has to be rich, right? So this was like, I don't know, about 15, 20 years ago when A-Rod signed that huge contract, like 25 million a year, you guys remember? Anyway, I do because the husband has to be rich and he has to be an athlete or at least look like one, right? So. Who better than A-Rod, right? So I'm like, okay, how is he gonna meet me so he can ask me to marry him, right? So I'm like, okay, thinking, thinking, thinking. And I come up with the idea. So this was when he was playing for Texas Ranger. I said, okay, I just have to get in his way, okay? So I look up the schedule, I'm in Chicago. So I'm like, when do the Rangers play um, Chicago Cubs? So I look it up. I buy one ticket because I don't want anyone else doing this crazy stunt with me, talking me out of it. I have to do this on my own. So I get on Word document and I make up what I believe to be a um, press pass, okay? I've never ever seen a press pass before. I'm not a creative person, I'm an accountant. But in my mind, this is what a press pass looks like. It has the cub symbol on it, and it has the Texas Ranger, and it says all access pass, because I need all access, right? <laughs> So I have a friend, her husband works for ESPN, and he goes around with one of those sleeves at the baseball games, like with ESPN around it. So I asked, could I borrow just the sleeve? So he's like, sure, what do you need this for? Don't worry, don't worry. Um, so I put my all access pass in this sleeve. I get everything I need to prepare for this. I have to have a baseball, an autograph pen, a ticket, and I have to make up a story. So I'm like, okay, I'm a freelance photographer. That's my story. So I believe it, I say it, I repeat it, I get to the ballpark and I go to, I find out where the Cubs, I mean the Texas um, locker room is. I go there and I ask the guy, I'm like, hey, I'm a freelance photographer for ESPN and I'm supposed to be here, right? Because if you're confident in what you say, people start to believe you. So in my mind, I'm this freelance photographer. I have this professional camera on. I have one of those notepads. Long story short, long story short, remembering people's names will get you places. So he's like, um, that doesn't look like an official pass. So I'm like, well, what does an official pass look like? So he shows me this book and my pass look nothing like this past. So I'm like, well, I'm supposed to be here, you know. So he's like, well, you need to talk to Mary in HR. So I'm like, what's your name? His name is Dave. Okay, where's Mary? Mary is in HR over there. So I go, I have two names now. I have Dave, Mary. I go to one other guy. I'm like, my name is Teresa. I'm an ESPN uh, freelance photographer. Mary and Dave told me to come here to get a different pass, <laughs> to get a different pass from you. And so, um, so Philip is like, well, no, you have to talk to Sam. So I'm like, okay, Dave, Mary, Sam. Okay, so I go, I go to this other guy and I'm like, I'm a freelance photographer and I know um, Dave, Mary, Sam or whatever. And he's busy and occupied, perfect setup. So he's like, well, do you have an ID? So I literally pull out my driver's license give it to him, he writes me a full access press, press pass to the Cubs locker room. So I, I have to hurry up. So I get the pass, I'm so excited. I go to the Cubs locker room first. I wait, I wait, Sammy Sosa, no lie, comes out of the locker room with a towel and his shirt on. 
And I'm like shaking because it's only like five reporters in this room. I'm a six foot black girl. I stick out like a sore thumb. So I'm in the locker room. Sammy is next to me like this. And I'm like this. And, and he's starting to talk. I'm writing notes down. I'm writing notes down like he has no draws on. Uh, he's really, really cute. He's really, really cute. Anyway, I leave there. I run over to the Texas locker room. A-Rod comes in. It's me, him, and, 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 and like two other people. I give him my ball. I'm like, look, I'm no photographer. I just want your autograph. And I stand. I give him the pen. He's sitting now. I give him the ball to sign. He dro I dropped the pen. He did not pick up the pen, and he's closest to it. So needless to say, he did not deserve my hand in marriage. So we didn't get married. Good luck, J-Lo. Thank you. So uh, Teresa said that she's an accountant, but she should consider espionage or, <laughs> or improv or something because she's got some some skills there. You know? Yeah, I, I really think she could be a spy. I, <laughs> I think it's like forget the accounting, forget all that money. Just go be a spy. Go do some other stuff. I wanted to give her kudos, though, because she is from Chicago and she is from the south side. <laughs> so she is showing off all of our grit and our ingenuity and I love her for that. <laughs> you know, and um, the structure of her story, so we teach story truck structure as part of our yes. workshops for, for storytelling, and it was good. It was, she um, told us what she was going to be telling us about. She, um, you know, the situation, and, and it got complicated. Yeah. How she worked through those complications and then how it ended. It was Yeah, it was very easy to follow. Yes. So her story, I guess if, if, if people do come to our story um not workshops. our story slams, but our uh -huh. story workshops, this could be a great example of how you build up a story. Because she left me with no questions. Yes. I mean, maybe maybe just some, some outside <laughs> ones, but with the story itself, I was in awe. And the whole J-Lo connection, I think some people might say that J-Lo is better off now than, <laughs> but you know, I digress. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> our next luck story comes from Stacy Rosenzweig, uh, she shared this story in 2018 at our Story Slam with the theme, Beginner's Luck. Here's Stacy. All right, good evening. Uh, tonight, I would like to tell you the story of the intersection of two sets of beginners. One, 26-year-old me in Las Vegas. Two, the introduction of the Transportation Security Administration at the Las Vegas airport. I uh, received an invitation to go to Las Vegas for a work thing. I used to edit a trade journal serving the contract janitorial industry. It's as exciting as it sounds. I'd never been to Las Vegas before. I'd never really gambled before. My gambling was limited to five cent poker, things like that. Um, I had an entire evening to myself and because I am an Uber nerd, I decided to do an experiment. Stacy the Uber nerd goes gambling. I decided I was going to purchase one roll of quarters. I would put it in my left pocket. I would draw from that roll of quarters. I would play one quarter in one uh, slot machine. At each casino along the strip, I could make it to under my own power before I either ran out of quarters or fell over. I would put winnings into my right pocket. And at the end of the day, I hope I'd come out ahead. I didn't realize some things. First of all, the cleaning 
training thing I was scheduled to attend was in August in Las Vegas. The Las Vegas Strip creates its own kind of microclimate. It was 132 degrees down there. That was dumb. I was also 26 and therefore invincible, so I neglected to drink proper water, but I drank plenty of alcohol. That was also dumb. And number three, what I didn't realize, and I think what a lot of people don't realize until they actually get to the Las Vegas Strip, is just how big and spread apart everything is. I mapped out on Yahoo Maps, because this was like 2002 and Yahoo Maps was a thing in 2002. I mapped out my route afterwards. I found out I'm going to spoil it. I walked a total of 1.3 linear miles along the strip, but it was probably closer to seven by the time I was said and done because I was winding my way through the casino to find one slot machine. But my hypothesis was that a slot machine that hasn't been played in a while and gets played might actually pay out to try to entice people to get there. And I was kind of right. And by the end of my 1.3 miles, I discovered I was about $8 ahead. At that point, I ended up deciding to pocket my winnings, go home for the night, and uh, meet up later the next night with some, uh, some of my new friends from the cleaning industry. And we decided to take it another wa walk around the strip. And I was going to use my $8.50 of winnings, buy a drink maybe, have fun, tell my stories that I won. I beat the casinos. I beat the odds. Problem is, is I was with a bunch of cleaning company executives, and the one I happened to be talking to was from uh, Utah. He was very religious, very proper, also had never been to Vegas. And he kept uh, accept accepting handbills from the ladies on the corner. Another thing you don't know about Las Vegas till you get there is that there are no trash cans on the strip at Las Vegas, at least not ones you can find. And when the gentleman discovered what he had picked up, he looked and he saw, oh no. For those of you who don't know, these are calling cards for the legal and semi-legal and completely illegal prostitution that happens surrounding Las Vegas. So he had a bunch of cards with pictures of naked, half-naked women on them, and he did not want to know what to do with them. Being a proper janitorial industry guy, he didn't want to just throw them on the ground. He saw I had a purse. And he said, you know what? Stacy, can you please hang on to these things and get rid of them at the hotel? And I said, sure, I have my $8.50. I'll, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'll take them. I put them in my purse and promptly forgot about them until I got to the airport where the Transportation Security Administration was newly installed in security and decided to do complete dump checks of everybody's belongings. <laughs> so the nice TSA lady just looks at me, dumps out my purse, I see a whole stack of cards tumbling forward. <laughs> and she says to me, ma'am, would you like to retain your pornography? <laughs> By that point, I said, yes, yes I do. <laughs> so I packed them up, took my $8.50 to the uh, airport bar, had a drink and went home beginner's luck. Thank you. So Joel, to be honest, the best stories, I think, never really stay in Vegas. I don't know. You might okay. think differently than me, but I do wonder if like she's been back to Vegas and if she has been or if she goes back, is she going to gamble a little bit more money? So um, actually, <laughs> this story didn't stay in Vegas because she brought the handbills home with her right. <laughs> and she shared the story. 
<laughs> so, so there you go. I hope I, I wish I was in the audience because I wish you would have brought those hand bills with. Her. <laughs> I mean, you know, like X out all the parts that are inappropriate. I think she but... kept them. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Stacy, if you're listening, just post those somewhere, and well, if, if you can, I guess. And tag, so. tagging yes, fabulous. Yes. <laughs> so Kim, we got we actually got a hold of Stacy, and. Um, it was actually her first story at Exfabula. No and, way. And now she's on our board. So she can show those handbills at a board meeting. I, <laughs> she can't. I don't know. Um, she's been back to Vegas, as you were wondering. And um, though she didn't have any luck with the slots, she said she had a lot of luck flying home. Hmm. She flew home the day before all of the flights were being canceled because of the 2020 polar vortex. Wow. That's luck. Talk about. Fortune, right? Yes. <laughs> Joel, yes. guess what? Ultra shorts? Oh, my God, yes. Let's do some ultra shorts. Or do you want to wait till the end? Nah, I think we should give give them a little taste of some ultra shorts now. Now, if you guys don't remember, ultra shorts are just the, you know, 30-second, just really brief stories that we share um, from folks who did not go on stage. Maybe they wanted to be anonymous. Maybe they didn't think their story fit into the time limits because it was too short. That's fine. You just write it on the piece of paper, give it to one of the volunteers, and then we read it. Yes, and so, the MC will read it, and it's it's a nice change of pace. It is. And it gets more voices into the story slam. And that is the I entire point. Yes. Here's an ultra short from Anonymous. Mm-hmm. 1969, UW-Madison Textiles Clothing Course. 300 girls, one lucky guy. Wow. Okay. I have another one from Sherry. Sherry says, my youngest daughter went into the garage. She found a baby kitten hiding there. Her best friend for the next 12 years. Spooky. (laughs) Our good luck, black cat. Here's an ultra short from Emily. First time I played a game at Great America, ring toss. I get a bucket of rings and I win a giant cow. (laughs) Like it barely fit in the minivan. I could sit on it and my feet didn't reach the ground. Also, it was my birthday. Oh, right now, talk about a good happy birthday. (laughs) That's pretty nice. Well, let's get back to the stories. Our final luck story comes from Mark Weinberg. He shared this one in 2022 at our Travel Story Slam. And as is the case with many travel stories, it includes the elements of both good luck and bad luck. Here's Mark. So the um, the road to the beginning of the trail that you have to hike to get up to the monastery outside of Stemnitsa in Greece hardly deserves that name. It's a degraded, broken down path on the edge of a cliff, barely wide enough for a car, even though it's both ways, gravel, stones crumbling, drops of 300 feet, no guardrails, and there we were, driving through this path. Um, I was probably more in control than my wife, who was sitting in the passenger seat. I at least had the gear shift and the clutch and the brake and the steering wheel. She had nothing to grab onto but the dashboard. 10 kilometers that way. When we finally made it to the parking lot, breathed a sigh of relief, took a moment to let our heart rate calm down, and bumped into this lovely German couple that had just come down from the monastery, told us it was wonderful, I'll take your picture, you'll take my picture. 
the typical thing. They went on their way down the gorge to the river. We headed up to the monastery. About three and a half, four hours later, we came down. It had been worth it. But that's another story. That was the first moment we allowed ourselves to remember that we had to drive back on that same road. <laughs> Knowing we had succeeded once didn't make it any easier. <laughs> so we did drive back. We did make it, breathed a sigh of relief, headed down into the gorge, dangled our feet in a beautiful cold river, wandered around some 2,300-year-old ruins, had a great relaxing time, and headed up the mountain towards our next stop. Who do we meet? About a third of the way up is the couple, the same German couple. We're in a car. They are distressed. It is now about 97 degrees. They have an hour and a half hike to get back to that parking lot, and they're dragging. And my wife, Jenny, who's sitting over there, angel that she is, says, we need to give them a ride. Knowing full well that means we're driving that road two more times. <laughs> we stopped and offered them a ride. They took it. Um, we sardined them into the back seat. The whole trip, again, in both directions, they thanked us, and we left. Um, we were now rather late because of all the extra. We came around a very sharp curve on a road we hadn't expected to be on, and there was a beautiful little restaurant. So we decided to stop for a meal. It was five-star. It was just amazing. Well, we got in a conversation with the waiter, who was also the chef, who was also the owner, who was also the farmer who had grown the food we were eating, and it was just delightful. But it kept us there a long time, and we suddenly realized, if we're going to make our next destination, we need some information that, of course, was not in my bag. It was back in the car. So I ran out across the street to go to the car and get the paper I needed. And just as I did, a car comes around this sharp curve, and suddenly there's yelling and shouting. The car pulls over, the same German couple, hops out of the car, and the woman says, photograph, photograph, photograph. It turns out that they had lost their camera and wondered if it might be in the back seat of our car. When they got out, a bag fell over and covered it, and there it was. They thanked us profusely and headed back the way they came because they were lost and had taken a wrong turn. If they had not taken a wrong turn, we had not decided to stop. I had not forgotten the paper in the car. We hadn't talked for a long time to the owner of the restaurant, and I hadn't run across the street at precisely that moment. We never would have connected again. They thought it was a miracle. Jenny and I thought the gift was to us. Can you imagine how we would have felt if after our good deed, risking life and limb, all we had done was save them an hour and ended up commandeering their photographs, their camera, and their memories? So we felt great. We went from fear to awe to gratitude in a single day. What a wonderful trip. Thank you.
Kim, I I actually was at that story slam. I sat next to Mark. You are and, always at these stories. No, I'm not. <laughs> but but um, it was just it was a thrilling. You know, it was a thrilling ride to be there. Yeah. Just you know, in person to to go up that hill and down that hill and around those curves and and the whole thing with the the missing camera was just amazing. It was pretty dope to to listen to. I, he said like fear to awe to gratitude all in one day. And it's so true that timing, timing is everything. Because had he not done all that stuff, yes, none yes. of this would have happened. We wouldn't have been able to hear the story and we wouldn't have been able to feature it. Right. Yes. <laughs> and there has to be an element of luck in there. I agree. Yes. We'll have an update for you about Mark. Uh, he is now an Exfabula coach, which is great. And he continues to come to slams and to share stories. And that's something that we also like to encourage people to you can come to our workshops if you want to learn how to tell a story. But if you feel that you're confident in all that and you want to help others tell their stories, you can also come and be a coach. That's great. Yes. So yes. just do that. Hey, Kim, how about some more ultra shorts? Yeah, I, I don't want to go yet. This is the first episode and I kind of want to stay here. Milk it? Yeah, okay, I want to stay yeah. around. Okay. Let's, okay. let's stick around. All right. This one here is from Roberta. Roberta says, just my luck, while house-sitting one weekend, the water lines to the fridge busted loose, creating a torrent of water throughout the kitchen. I was able to turn off the water and clean up the flood, so good thing I was there. Just their luck. Here's an ultra short from Anonymous. I was 18 years old the first time I played darts, like real darts, with metal tips and everything. I hit the bullseye twice. And I've never had it since. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely beginner's luck. I really do like darts, though. Um, just just launching them. It just gets a lot of aggression out. I love okay, it. all right. Nah, maybe that should be another episode. Don't do the axe throwing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I won't. Uh, this one is from Desi. Spelling bees have never been my thing. In third grade, I was entered randomly into a spelling bee by my parents' signature. I was super nervous, but I made it all the way to the finals, and I forgot how to spell fresh. Oh, no. What? <laughs> Definitely bad luck. Oh, well. Um, here's an ultra short from Linda. When we were little, my mom would make us eat cream of wheat. My sister and I used to compete to see who got the most lumps, which were good luck. It was only a few years ago, I'm 42, that we learned that the cereal had lumps because my mom rushed it and just told us the lumps were good luck. I like that. You That's know, good parenting. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say, you definitely would know because you've got some, some daughters. You got some I've kids given them some know. lumps. No, I just... <laughs> You know, okay. I think I, I think my dad gave me some lumps, too. I don't know. Anyway, well, this one is from Peter. And Peter says, when you're the new kid in school, all you want is to belong. Luckily, it was 1969, and my dad had taken a job running a record factory. They were pressing the Beatles' new album, Abbey Road. He gave me a box of 50 albums months before it was released. And for about a week, I was the most popular kid in school. Thanks, Dad. Nice. Joel, I'm sad now. No. Yeah. Oh. We, I mean, we tried to stretch it as long as we could. This is a one-hour episode. No. It's, it's a two-hour, actually. <laughs> you know, the people don't know it yet, I but it's really two hours. That would be our luck. <laughs> as luck would have it, this 
is all the time we have for today for Real Stories MKE. But guys, do not worry. You know how we do this. And we've also been at this for more than 10 years. So there's more audio and more video stories available at exfabula.org. And our website lists upcoming storytelling workshops and story slams. And we hope you'll join us at an event and maybe even share a story. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, because Joel's going to get an Instagram <laughs> now. I'm trying to uh, convince him to do that. <laughs> and we also want to thank everybody who makes this program possible, including our Exfabulous staff, the storytellers, audio engineers, Sam Woods. Thanks, Sam. Yes. And also, we have a newbie on board, Lauren Instaniz. And what's her title, Joel? I, let's call her producer. Yeah, I think that's a good title. And also, thanks to everyone who helped sponsor this season of our Public Story Slams, including Transfer Pizzeria Cafe, Wealth Management Advisor Charlie Robluski, SRH Marketing, and Gagney McChrystal, DeLorenzo, and Burkhart. For Real Stories MKE, I'm Joel Driesang. And I'm Kim Shine, guys. Remember, everybody has a story to tell, so think about telling yours. And thank you guys for coming back for season three and for listening. We hope you stick around. Thank you.